Welcome to Sabbath School, brought to you by It Is Written. We're excited this week to be studying another lesson as we're looking at God's mission and my mission. This week, we are looking at lesson number four. Lesson number four is all about sharing God's mission, and we're excited to dig into it. But before we do, let's begin with prayer. Father, we want to ask that you'll be with us today as we take a look how, at how we can be more fully involved in your mission. We ask that you'll bless our time together, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're blessed this week to have with us Amy Whitsett. She is an Associate Director of the Institute of World Mission. Amy, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Now, Amy, tell us a little bit about what, what is it to be an Associate Director of the Institute of World Mission? What is the Institute of World Mission? How does that kind of all fit into what we're talking about this quarter? The Institute of World Mission was established in the 1960s to train all of the general conference missionaries that are sent out. So as you know, we have missionaries from everywhere to everywhere. And when you have that, then you have cross-cultural issues that you may not be familiar with. And so we, we help the families get ready for transition. We help them deal with issues of educating their children. How do you find a good school language learning, settling in, but then also all of that cross-cultural stuff. How do different people think? How do different people see the world? And just to help them to be more effective missionaries wherever they go. Well, fantastic. Well, we're excited to have you bring your uh, expertise in that area. You've served as a missionary. You've trained missionaries. And we're looking this week at sharing God's mission, and especially with respect to Abraham. So we're kind of spending some time in the story of Abraham here. Uh, what are some of the traits that we see in Abraham that, that would serve us as missionaries when we're seeking to, uh, to reach others, to reach the world around us? What do we see in Abraham's life? I really like looking at Genesis chapter 18, um, the story just before Sodom and Gomorrah. And from that story itself, we can get three real lessons uh, or traits from Abraham. The first is um, he was hospitable. He showed hospitality to strangers. Um, he also loved people, and he prayed for people. He interceded for them. And so this lesson delves into all three of those. What does that look like, and how can we apply that um, in our lives today? All right, so... So we've got Abraham, he's very hospitable. What were some ways that we see that hospitality manifest in, in the way that he lived and, and dealt with people, interacted with people? Yeah, so if we go to Genesis chapter 18, um, if we look at the first four verses, I'll just read them. Then the Lord appeared to him by the terebinth tree of Mamre as he was sitting in the tent door of the heat of the day. So he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing by him, and when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the ground. And he said, My Lord, if I have now found favor in your sight, don't pass by your servant. Please let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. And so he's actually, I mean, this is such a beautiful picture for me that Abraham was resting, but he was watching. He was aware of what was going on around him. And when he saw these three travelers, three strangers coming through, he recognized they had a need. It's hot, the heat of the day, right? They're hot, they're sweaty, they're tired, they may even be hungry. And he didn't just wait for them to come to him, he went to them. And he said, would you come and rest under the terebinth tree? Just, just have a break, wash your feet, wash your hands, wash your face, be rested. And then later on in the chapter, we see he actually prepares a meal for them and he takes care of them. And so this idea of hospitality is not just 
being hospitable to those who come to us, but being hospitable to those who don't come to us. That we're actually watching for the needs of people around us and that we recognize opportunities to help and that we're willing to help, that we're ready to help when people are needing it. Um, and it's, it's really interesting to me, too, that he provided for their physical needs. It wasn't, you know, come, let's have a spiritual conversation. I'm a God follower and God called me. Let me tell you the story. It was come and rest. Come just be part of my home, be part of my community for a little bit and rest and be refreshed. And I think that's really a powerful thing. Um, You know, there's a lot of studies now, especially after COVID, that people are dealing with a lot of mental illness, um, a lot of depression, a lot of loneliness. Even though we've all got these smartphones and we're more connected, we hear this all the time, more connected but more distant, people are lonely and they want to have a sense of belonging. And if we can show hospitality to them by bringing them in, I think that's a great mission opportunity and a great place to start. And there are lots of people out there. Now, what if somebody says, well, in theory, that sounds great, but bringing people in to my house, you know, maybe maybe my house isn't the cleanest. Maybe I don't live in the best part of town. Maybe I just, maybe I'm not a people person. I'm, I'm, playing the devil's advocate here, all the excuses, kind of like Moses was good at making excuses why he <laughs> right, couldn't do what right. God told him to do. What would you tell somebody who's like, yeah, I see what Abraham did, but uh, bringing somebody Just into my house, I'm not real sure yeah. about that. You know, what's interesting to me is that Abraham brought them to the tree. He didn't say, come into my tent, come to my tree. Um, and this kind of troubled me for a little bit because I thought, well, is that really hospitality? When I was young, my family would always have people over Sabbath afternoon. If we didn't have somebody over Sabbath afternoon, it was because one of us was sick, you know. So having people to my home, it's a natural thing for me, but I understand for other people it's not. And this idea of bringing people to a tree, I think there's a couple things going on. One, we don't have to necessarily bring them to our home, but just bring them into our sphere of influence. Um, you could even just take them to a neutral place if you don't want them to come into your home. Go to a quiet restaurant. Meet them in a park. Go for a walk together. There's plenty of ways that you can invite people. But I think what's what's really interesting to me and, and something that I learned living overseas is that we have a great opportunity to influence the spiritual atmosphere in our homes. And in a world where there's so much chaos to bring them into a place that's filled with the peace of the Holy Spirit is a really special and powerful thing. And so I would encourage people, bring them to your home if you can, but if you can't, pray over the place where you will take them and pray that the Holy Spirit's presence will be there at the table that you're sitting at, in the park bench that you're sitting at, that the Holy Spirit will be present and that you're controlling the spiritual atmosphere where you're at. So Abraham invites them to come to the tree. How does that hospitality manifest itself? You've touched on a few things. He, he said, come out, come out of the heat. There's a little bit of, of shade there, perhaps. He's, he's providing some for their, uh, for their sustenance. Mm-hmm. What, what else does this look like as Abraham is reaching out to these individuals? Um, you know, it's interesting. Ellen White talks about this. And she says in education that when Abraham's tent was removed, the altar always remained. And that many roving Canaanites, whose knowledge of God had been gained from the life of Abraham, his servant, they stopped at the altar, they tarried at the altar to offer sacrifice to Jehovah. His love for God, his passion for God, the way that he kept his home and the way that he ran his family, 
I think was a great indication of God's love and God's presence in his life and made an impact on people that he didn't even realize he was making an impact on. And I think that's something that we take for granted is that people are watching us. What does it look like to be a true follower of God? What does it look like to, to believe in God and to trust in God? You know, a lot of times people have a misconception that a Christian's life should be perfect without any problem, but people can't relate to people with no problems. We all know that we have problems. It's not about not having problems. It's about having the grace to live through the problems, getting the grace and the, the strength that we need from God and the peace to go through the problems, to manage the conflicts. That's what draws people. So we may not be able to have this, this memorial that we leave as Abraham left a memorial and, and moved on different places. What would be a more modern version of that, that that we could strive for, that we could hope to have that same sort of a of an impact? For me, I think it would come in the form of like family routine and family ritual. Um, I remember when we were living in Asia, we had a, a man who was working as a gardener for us. And he came to me one day and he said, Amy, guess what? We pray and sing and read the Bible before every meal. I said, that's great. He's like, yeah, we do it just like you do. And I thought, we don't do that at every meal. <laughs> what is he talking about? And then I realized, you know, every breakfast when our children were young, we had a, a devotional book that we would read from every morning. So we'd read, we would pray, and then we would eat. And then in the evening, after the baths, we'd sit on the couch and we would sing and we would read a Bible story and we would pray and the kids would go to bed. And somehow he interpreted this as this is what it means to be a Christian. And he started doing that. So that was a family altar. That was, that was something that we've left behind that he was able to see and he's patterning. And guess what? Other people are watching him. It's a memorial that's living on even past us. Even though it's not a physical memorial, it is the, the routine is a, is a memorial itself. It made an impact. It was something that was observed, mm-hmm. experienced, and then that experience molded and shaped their own experience. And then... As you mentioned, it goes on and on and on right. the way that it should be. Right. So Abraham uh, ex- expressed his his care for others through his hospitality. How else did he express his care for others, his care of others? It was really expressed in his love for people. Um, and we see this both for the travelers that came, but then also in his, his pleading for Sodom and Gomorrah. And I don't think that he pled for Sodom and Gomorrah just because his nephew and nephew's family were there. I think he really did have God's love in his heart for the people that he didn't even know. So a picture of him in Sodom and Gomorrah, a picture of him with, uh, with these travelers who came by, strangers. We talked about having people in our home, but, and, and we might even be a little hesitant to have friends or acquaintances in our home, but, but what about strangers? I mean, these were just some individuals who happened by, and Abraham reached out to them. The people in in Sodom and Gomorrah, largely strangers for him, except for a a select few, you know, family. But what about strangers? Maybe that that may make us, especially living in this day and age, we tend to be a little more insulated and, and distrustful of those we don't know. And rightly so. Rightly so. There are stories that are true, you know, so we do need to be careful. We need to be wary. But again, just being, I don't know, making eye contact with people, saying a nice, pleasant word to somebody at the grocery store. You know, you never know. You, you 
often hear these stories or they pop up on Facebook or YouTube or something of these stories of little things that people have done that made a big impact. And the key for this is being in touch with God, being in tune with God. You know, a lot of people ask, why, why have devotions every day? What's the point? I don't get anything from reading my Bible or whatever. The point is, is to be like a radio where you're tuning in just right into the old-fashioned radio. We don't have them now so much, but the old ones with the dial where you had to tune in and, you know, get away from as much of that fuzz and static as you can to get the clearest signal, right? That's what our devotional time does, the prayer and the Bible reading, to get us in touch with God's voice so that we can hear him. And when we're at the grocery store in line and we feel the tap on our shoulder of God saying, say something to this person, that we're ready and we're willing and we're able. And I think that sometimes we're afraid to do that. We're afraid of um, making a fool of ourselves. We're afraid of maybe doing something that might offend somebody or make them feel like we're a little bit weird. But I would guess that nine times out of ten, that's not going to happen. We're, we need to get over that fear hump and just do it. If God tells you to do something, just do it. If God's leading, there's nothing for us to fear. That's right. Yep. That's right. Well, we are taking a look this week at sharing God's mission. He has something that he desires us to do and people that he desires us to reach. If you're enjoying this week's lesson and all of the lessons that we're looking at this quarter, then you want to make sure that you pick up the companion book to this quarter's lesson. It is God's Mission, My Mission, and you can find it at itiswritten.shop. This gives you more insight, more depth, more stories, more examples of how God is very much at work in the lives of people just like you in sharing the gospel with others who need to hear it. Again, you can find God's Mission, My Mission, at itiswritten.shop. We're going to be back again in just a moment as Amy and I continue looking at the story of Abraham. We'll see you back in just a moment. There might be days when you just can't seem to find the energy to take on life's challenges. Moments or maybe days or weeks where basic tasks can feel overwhelming. Times when you feel as though your heart and mind are trapped in a fog. Countless people all around the world are dealing with the weight of depression. Most people will experience depression, either firsthand or in the lives of friends or family members. There's hardly a person on earth who hasn't in some way been touched by its weight. That's why I sat down with a mental health expert to discuss this vitally important subject. Join me and Dr. Neil Nedley as together we explore what actually works in helping battle depression, its root causes and its symptoms. Don't miss the helpful and practical information in this series, proven to benefit physical, mental and emotional health. Clearing the Fog, available now on It Is Written TV. You know that at It Is Written, we are serious about studying the Word of God, and we encourage you to be serious as well. Well, here's what you do if you want to dig deeper into God's Word. Go to itiswritten.study for the It Is Written Bible Study Guides Online, 25 in-depth Bible studies that will take you through the major teachings of the Bible. You'll be blessed, and it's something you'll want to tell others about as well. itiswritten.study. Go further. itiswritten.study. Welcome back to Sabbath School, brought to you by It Is Written. We're taking a look at how we can more effectively share our faith with others, looking at sharing God's mission. Uh, Amy, we were just talking about how some people 
feel a little uncomfortable when they're called to reach out to and love strangers? What are some of those obstacles mm-hmm. that people often have to overcome in order to, to get to that point? Yeah. We had mentioned before that one of those obstacles is fear, that maybe I'll make a fool of myself or they'll think I'm weird, or even worse yet, that I'll say something that turns them off to the gospel completely, right? I think we're sometimes close that we're going to close the door before it's really time. But, you know, there's another issue, and that is sometimes this idea of love. Unfortunately, English only has one word, right? And it can mean all kinds of things. That There's a whole spectrum of what love can be. And so I like to think of it more as compassion, that we need to have compassion for people. And I believe that Abraham could love people because he realized that as long as somebody's breathing, they have a chance for the Holy Spirit to impact them. And that's what I want to be like. I want to see people with that perspective, thinking if they're still alive, they're still breathing, it doesn't matter what shape or form they're in, there's still opportunity for the Holy Spirit to do something. And I want to be a conduit for that. How can I be a conduit for the Holy Spirit to work in their life? And so it's looking at it through a compassionate lens. And we see this in the life of Jesus. You know, there's several Bible texts. There's a couple in Matthew, Matthew 14, 14, and 15, 32, where the Bible says, Matthew records, Jesus looked on the crowds and had compassion for them. You know, one of them was in, they needed healing. And so he provided that healing. Another one was that they were hungry and he provided them food. But I think that my favorite one is actually in Matthew 9, 36, where it says he looked at them with compassion because they were people without a shepherd or sheep without a shepherd. You know, what does a shepherd do? A shepherd guides, a shepherd protects, a shepherd provides everything for them, a shepherd heals, comforts. They were without that. And if we can look at people in that way as sheep without a shepherd, they need guidance, they need direction, they need comfort, they need companionship. You know, there's little things that people need that are physical needs, that are emotional needs, even before the spiritual needs, that can provide, if we can help provide those, it can give an opportunity to provide spiritual care as well. So it opens that door to the spiritual areas that we might not otherwise have the same access to. Exactly. There's a a quote that you have have referenced Mm -hmm. here in a book called Patriarchs and Prophets. Would you like to share that quote? Yes. Ellen White says, and this is from Patriarchs and Prophets, page 133 and 134, Abraham was honored by the surrounding nations as a mighty prince and a wise and able chief. He did not shed away his influence from his neighbors. His life and character, in their marked contrast with those of the worshipers of idols, exerted a telling influence in favor of the true faith. His allegiance to God was unswerving, while his affability and benevolence inspired confidence and friendship, and his unaffected greatness commanded respect and honor. It's a powerful statement to his effectiveness. It is. It is. And that affability, you know, we were talking about this earlier <laughs> before we started filming, that the English language is difficult sometimes. And there's words that we think we understand, but then when you think about it, you realize, I really don't know what that is. And affability was one of those for me, and I looked it up. And affability is just likableness. You know, that, that he was just likable. He was friendly. It doesn't necessarily mean he was outgoing. Not everybody's outgoing, but just open and friendly with people. A, a likable person. Yes. And one would hope that that would be a characteristic that many Christians would, would also share. I would hope so. Yeah. Yeah, there's a, an interesting uh, Bible verse here, Matthew 5, verse 16, that says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Mm-hmm. Uh, a powerful passage, uh, of course, from the Sermon on the Mount 
and just a beautiful picture of what Jesus' desire for for us is. Right. Yeah. That's right. So we're looking at the story of Abraham. Uh, Abraham was hospitable. He was he was a loving individual. What other characteristics or char- character traits did he have that made him effective? The other thing that we see in him is that he was an intercessor. In today's language, we would say he was a prayer warrior, right? And we see this in his interaction um, about Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, if there's 50, oh wait, no, if there's 45, no, if there's 40 all the way down to if there's 10. You know, he was, he was putting himself on the line for, for Sodom and Gomorrah. Especially when you realize that he knew who he was talking to at that point, right? And he even admits, you know, please forgive your servant, but <laughs> if there's only 10, he was bold and he was confident, but because he knew what God's character really was. That God's character really was hopeful that there would be ten. That there would be those who wanted to be saved. That there would be those that were open. The lesson actually points out that this is a type of Christ in his intercession. And Peter actually says that he calls us a royal priesthood. And what did the priests do? The priests were intercessors between the people and God. And if we are a royal priesthood, we're called to be priests to be intercessors between something or someone and God. And who is that something or someone? It's the lost. It's those who don't know him. And so we're called to intercede on their behalf. And I don't know what it is about intercessory prayer. I wish that I wish that I understood more about it, but there's a power to intercessory prayer that we don't understand. There's There's certain rules of engagement between God and his angels and Satan and his evil host that intercession has a strong role in. And I don't know if it's granting God permission to work in people's lives or what it is, but there's a power there that we can access, and it, it unleashes spiritual power in people's lives. And so I think we need to take our role as intercessors very seriously. It, we need to be praying for people. It tilts that needle in, in the direction that, that God would desire. For each and every person, and we have an opportunity, a privilege, uh, to be a part of that. Yes, and, and that's very powerful. You're speaking of intercession. What is what does intercession look like in practical terms? It's praying for people, and it's praying with people. The question is, what do we pray for? When we were in Asia, I was teaching Sabbath school to the children. And I realized, you know, this one hour in Sabbath school is really the only Bible education spiritual guidance that these kids get. They didn't have the Sabbath school lesson quarterly that they could take home and do every week, you know, or every day. And so I was thinking, how do I lead these children into a relationship with God? What does that look like? What stories do I need to tell? What activities? And I realized it's through prayer that we need to be praying with the children so that they can see God working in their life. And so I thought, well, we need to start at home. So I got a prayer journal, and we started praying. You know, what should we pray for tonight? Well, let's pray for Grandpa. Okay, let's pray for Grandpa. Uh, Let's pray for Grandma. Okay, let's pray for Grandma. And I got stickers. You know, we're going to put stickers by each one as we see them answered. And we weren't getting very many stickers in there. And I thought, why are we not getting stickers? Why are we not seeing our, our prayers answered? And I realized we were praying very generic prayers. How do you measure God being with Grandpa? You can't measure that. But you can measure grandpa's sick, help him him to get better. You can measure help the neighbor's cat to come back home, you know, if the cat's lost or something. We need to be really specific with our prayers so that we can see when God is answered. And as we pray those kinds of prayers, 
it will encourage us, it will deepen our faith, but we need to also be praying those kinds of prayers for people, with people. Um, you'd be surprised at how many people are open to prayer, even though they're not spiritual. They don't claim to be spiritual. They're still, when, when they're in a crisis especially, they're open to anything, anything that'll help, please. So if we can pray a specific prayer and allow God to use that, invite God into that space. You know, if you look at the stories of Jesus, he was where the problems were. He was where the pain and hurt was. That's where he could work. That's where he could minister. That's where there was an open door, an open heart. And so if we can see people around us who are suffering and have our eyes and antennas, you know, tuned in to the needs of people around us and praying God into those spaces, what, what God could do would be amazing. And in order to do that, we've got to be out there mingling with people, meeting people to know what their needs are, to know right. what to lift up in prayer. Amy, let me ask you as we're kind of tying this together, what are some some mission takeaways that we can get from Abraham's story? Some things that we can say, okay, I can grab a hold of that. That's something that I can I can do, I can believe, I can put into practice in my life. First of all, and I said this earlier, we need to be in tune with God's voice. That we need to be you know, we talk about the wind, you know, the Holy Spirit, you can't see the Holy Spirit, you could like it's like the wind, you can see its effect. So be in tune with where is the Holy Spirit working around us? Whose lives is he impacting? Whose heart is he knocking on? And if we're in tune with that, God will reveal it to us. If we're in tune with him, he'll reveal it to us. So that's the first thing, having daily time with God to get our ears and spiritual antennas tuned to his voice. And then we also need to be taking stock of how we're appearing to people around us. Are we affable people? like Abraham was. You know, are we kind people? Do we have just a peace about us that attracts people to us? Or are we just about business? We need to be representing the kingdom that we're a part of. We need to be aware of the people around us. You know, so it's making sure that I'm right spiritually, I'm in tune spiritually, I'm in tune with God, but now I need to make sure I'm in tune with those around me too. And that I have the time, that I'm not just rushing, rushing, rushing all the time, that I'm, I build a little extra buffer time in my you know, whatever time I set aside for grocery shopping or whatever errands I need to do where I'm interacting with with people um, so that I can interact with them and I can have meaningful experiences. And then we need to respond. And this is sometimes a scary thing, right? We talked about that earlier, this fear of, you know, doing something that's going to turn somebody off or will look like a fool or, you know. um, We need to pray for boldness, pray for courage. I pray for that every day. God, please... Help me to hear your voice, and then please, please, please help me have courage to do what you tell me to do. <laughs> as much as I may not want to or as afraid as I may be, give me the courage to just do it, and then just step out in faith and see what God does, and then that will build our faith. And then um, finally, we need to be inviting people into our community, um, whether it's a community of faith, whether it's into our home, whether it's just into our friend group, inviting people into our community where they can experience love, they can experience acceptance, and most importantly, they can experience the, the, the peace and the impact of the Holy Spirit on their life. Very practical advice drawn from the story of Abraham. Amy, thank you for sharing that with us today. And thank you for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you again next week as we continue our journey of the mission that God has for us and how we play a big part in that mission. God bless you. We'll see you next time on Sabbath School, brought to you by It Is Written.